So the reading is from Psalm 119. It's verses 113 to 120, which you can find on page 620 of the Church Bible. I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. Away from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commands of my God. Sustain me, my God, according to your promise, and I shall live. Do not let my hopes be dashed. Uphold me, and I shall be delivered. I shall always have regard to your decrees. You reject all who stray from your decrees, for their delusions come to nothing. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Therefore, I love your statutes. My flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe of your laws. Thanks, Jodie, for, for reading for us. Uh, keep that open and let me just pray um, for us, uh, our leaders in prayer, as we come to look at this part of God's Word. Uh, Lord God, um, uh, all sorts of things happen in our weeks. Uh, all sorts of pressures uh, come our way. And thank you that you've given us uh, this day set aside. Before we get into working in the world you've made, uh, we have a day to enjoy the one who made it uh, and to listen to him. And we ask you, please, by your spirit, grab our hearts, grab our affections, not just our, our thinking, but turn us towards you so that we would love you uh, and not just think it's right to live trusting you, but want to do that. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we've got this little series. I, I mean, it really is a little one. Uh, Help for Heavy Hearts. Two, two in the evening. One, one last Sunday night, just thinking about how do, we, how do we face up to when we struggle with things like anxiety. Um, and then one this evening, we're going to think about when, when life feels it's hindered by perfectionism. Um, either if that's, that, that might be something you think, yeah, I recognize that in myself, or I know other people who, for whom it's just really hard. Uh, we'll be thinking about that uh, tonight um, and, and seeing how God's gracious word speaks to it and how, helps it. And then in the morning, it's sli a slightly different one. They're, they're sort of kind of areas of internal struggle. This morning is, is when heavy hearts are caused by, by something different. When, when the, put it this way, when the church has gone mad, and I'm not meaning by that the church has gone mad, like when Richard Newman is leading a service here, if you've been for one of those, or Darren's doing the actions. That's the kind of normal madness in, in church life, and we, we love that kind of stuff. No, no, this is more when the, the church seems to have been, or church structure seems to be at odds with what you understand about Jesus. So I went, once went to a talk by a church that was titled, Why Jesus Isn't the Only Way to God. And I was there with some students, and you could see them thinking, it, this is mad. Why are they saying this? Or, or a friend of mine who was on placement while at theological college, he was at placement at one of our great London cathedrals, and he told me, I said to him, what was it like? It must have been quite exciting, huge cathedral. Uh, and he told me after the service, the thing that threw him was that the clergy were laughing in their little vestry room, 
And because one of them had spoken to someone in the congregation foolish enough to actually believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And he said he, he was really thrown by it. One, one, because the clergy didn't believe it. And secondly, because they were mocking people in the congregation who did. What do you do when the church has gone mad? What do you do when you come across things like that? How, how do you think about it? How do you process it? What, what should your emotions be like? And like Psalm 119, I think, gives some help. So if you've got it in front of you, do, do look at it. And here's the first thing. It says, sing, I hate the double-minded. That's verse 113, isn't it? Double-mindedness, if you're wondering what that is, and you can guess, kind of work it out, it, it's sort of going in two directions at once. It's, the, it's that kind of idea. It's, it's someone who will say, I, I totally believe in God, but then they'll ignore what God says. If you like, they're, they're at church on Sunday, but then they'll it make, God makes no difference, and what He says makes no difference on a Monday. This says, learn to sing, I, I hate the double-minded. Is it right to talk like that? Is it right to feel like that? I mean, I kind of think I'm, I'm, I don't really hate anything. I don't want to be someone who hates anything. That, that's what I think. And Psalm 119 says to me, well, then you're ungodly. Because God hates some things. Trouble with me, let me be honest, and it, it might be true for you as well, is that when I hate things, I often get ugly. Often when I hate things, it's because of prejudice or, or arrogance. God's not like that. God hates things that are wrong, and because we're, we become part of His family, because we share His Spirit, we're, we're meant to begin to share some of the things he, he feels as well. We should start to feel like Him too. His life should start to, in some ways, at least begin to work out in my emotions as well. But let's try and understand the feelings here in this part of the psalm. The, the big theme of Psalm 119, if you know it, is God's Word, and the, the psalmist wants to show us what happens when he gets around the double-minded. And he's saying something like this in these verses. They make me feel lost and insecure. That's what he's saying here. I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. Do you notice that? In, in, in the psalm, God's law is pictured as giving direction. Back in verse 1, it's pictured as giving freedom. In verse 45, I don't know if you've watched Race Across the World on the BBC. If you watch that program, come across it. Some of you maybe have. I've loved it. The latest series has been a race across Canada. And it started in Stanley Park, Vancouver. I think that's right, this park. And I loved it. These, these different British teams of two. And one of them got lost just trying to get out of the park. I mean, couldn't even get out. Never, how are they going to get across Canada? They, they, can't, they can't even get out of a park to start it. They were wandering around for ages. But I, you never get lost, do you? you? You don't get lost. They didn't have technology. And the reason you don't get lost driving or walking is because you've got a sat-nav on your phone. Anytime you can get it out and you just switch it on. If you put on the voice direction, it's like it's speaking right to you. It says, take the next exit, and it doesn't seem earth-shattering, does it? A little line like that, take the next exit, but you're glad you didn't miss it. 
for all the long waits, you know, that feeling on the motorway, you miss the exit, and then you look, when's the next one, and you think it's 12 miles away. It's going to be 24 miles before we get back to it. You're glad you didn't miss it. Or other times with the sat-nav, though, it really does feel like it completely contradicts your own sense of direction. You had that? You hear the sat-nav, or you look at it, and you feel, no, it's wrong. I know better. But then you discover, oh, oh, actually, it was right. I wasn't where I thought I was. Gosh, I didn't know where I was going. And our psalmist is saying to us, he look, when God speaks, his law is a bit like that. I mean, he's not saying that because he doesn't know what sat-nav is, but if he did, he would be saying it's a bit like that. At times, it doesn't feel earth-shattering, what God says to us. But those course corrections, you don't want to miss them. Other times, it really does seem to contradict your own sense of direction. And you have this, but I feel strongly this is the right way. I will not be persuaded of anything differently. So I know. But the Bible says, God says in the Bible, it really is the other way. And it would be odd, wouldn't it? It would be odd if God never contradicted us. If all God's Word ever did to us was affirm what you've worked out yourself, or all it did was affirm what the rest of the world was saying to you, that would be an odd situation to be in, wouldn't it? Now, those of you who are in your teens, if you sit up for a moment, if you've switched off at all, but let, let me say to you, your, your life's a long journey ahead of you. There'll be all sorts of, of wonderful things, I hope and pray for you as you, as you head on in, in life. But this is saying to you, if you will listen to God's words, you will start to feel, I know where I'm going. And not just where you're going, but who you're going with. God Himself will speak to you. You will know Him. So watch out. So watch out for the double-minded, even in a church, who don't stick with God's words and kind of tempt you to do the same. Remind yourself, verse 114, if you look at it here, why would you be like that? God, you are my refuge and my shield. I've put my hope in your word. It gives me security. The double-minded, in the end, they'll make you feel lost and insecure. That's the effect they'll begin to have. That's why the psalmist is saying, I, I should hate it. I should hate someone doing that. Uh, this is a psalm that kind of, it kind of builds up your feelings in a way. If you, if you read it, it, it's a very emotional bit. It builds up your resolve, builds up your emotions, and it spills out in, in verse 115. This is, if you're interested, it's the only verse in the entire psalm that's addressed to someone other than God. The only one. In this long psalm, here it says, Away from me, you evildoers, that I may, may keep the commands of my God. There's real emotion here. I love New Year. Do you, do you stay up late at New Year? Maybe you sing uh, Old Lang Syne. Do you sing that? You don't really need to know the words, do you? Uh, m- most people do. I've been around them. They sing, you know, Should Old Acquaintance Be Forgotten, Never Brought to Mind. Na 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 na. And it goes on like that. It doesn't matter with the words because it's just the emotion. That's what you're really after at that time of the year. The words don't matter. It's just the emotion. Psalm 119 is not like that. Um, The words matter because they help us with our emotions. 
some of, some of us are, just the way we're made, the way we're wired up, we're, we're more emotional, aren't we? We're, we're heart over head. You, you don't just think something, you feel something. You, you feel it's right, you feel it's true, you, you feel it for other people. So it is helpful at times to remember that God says, you're even to let me lead you in how you feel about things. You ever thought about that? That God doesn't just say, I, I'm going to, as I begin to get involved in your life, as I begin to shape and change your life, I'm not just going to shape and change what you think or what you're to understand. You're to let me shape even how you feel about things. You can feel things in the wrong way. We're not to believe our feelings are any more the authority for truth than our flawed and limited thinking. This little line from a saint of the past, Samuel Rutherford, he wrote, your heart is not the compass Christ saileth by. It's worth thinking on that, isn't it? You know that, your, your emotions, what you feel to be right, that's not the compass Jesus sails by. We're to submit our feelings to the gentle correction of God's Word. So, so hear this. We, we might need to learn to sing, I hate the double-minded. But while you're doing that, remember also a couple of other things. It's easy for strong emotions to get carried away. In verse 116, the writer catches himself. He actually stops speaking to others, and he, he starts praying again. That's a good idea, isn't it? Do you ever... You ever do that, you, you, you're kind of wound up in emotions. It's a good thing if you catch yourself at that point just to say, I, actually, I should stop talking now. It might be good for me to pray. It's a good instinct to have, and it's what a psalmist does because he's remembering something. When I was learning to drive about 100 years ago, uh, I remember one lesson. I thought I was doing really okay. We'd, we'd, we'd driven around a bit, and we, we'd come up to a hill, and I'd stop just at the brow of the hill, and I sat there for a bit and realized I hadn't put any of the brakes on, and I, I thought, this is amazing. The, the, car's, the car's not rolling backwards in any way. And for a split second, I thought, it's like I've got magic powers. I'm so cool at this. No brakes on. The car's just sitting here. And then I realized and remembered the instructor had dual controls. You've been in a car like that? And while thinking I was amazing, look how amazing I am, I, I forgot who was really in charge. Look, what, what about if you're in a situation where the church has gone mad? What about if you notice though, there's those who lead who seem to deny things about Jesus? What do we do when it gives us heavy hearts? It's right that we feel strongly. It will be right that we resolve things and talk things through. You know we've had to do some of that already as a church, but this says easy to let emotions distort things just enough and think, all we need is raised emotions and firm resolve. And our psalmist catches himself and says, we need grace more than we need firm resolve. You see verse 116? See what he prays? Sustain me according to your promise. Do you, do you hear the prayer there? It, it really is a prayer for grace. It's not, I will keep your words. It's the other way around. It's, I need your words to keep me. My dad, 
was in the Merchant Navy. He went to sea when he was 16 years old in 1944. He told me his girlfriend said, I'll wait for you forever. <laughs> I'll wait for you forever. He came back after three months and she'd got a new boyfriend. Or perhaps like, like me, you enjoy watching Lorraine Kelly in the morning, top telly, isn't it? I remember one feature was on, on gifts, and one of them, I remember, I kid you not, was called The Eternal Bouquet. It was flowers to give to someone, and it was called The Eternal Bouquet because it lasted five weeks. Permanence is not what it used to be, is it? In Psalm 117, our psalmist refers to God's decrees. And the sense of that word, all these different words for God's word, there's a meaning behind them. The the, the sense of that word is permanence. They're constant. It's like they're engraved in stone. He's saying, God, help me be permanent. What's your permanence like? How long do you find yourself continuing to do what God says? Permanently? Three months? five weeks. It's easy to forget, isn't it? We, we need to pray for grace. It's easy for me to do that. Do you find yourself praying at times, Lord, I know what I'm like. This is the kind of situation where I'm likely to become bitter or lazy or angry, and I'll be tempted to turn from your word to be double-minded. It is funny how, how for the time, is one thought sometimes leads to another. As our writer thinks about grace, it, it almost seems like it becomes a, a positive infection. I don't know if you can have it. Can you have a positive infection? It might be, that'd be a vaccine, wouldn't it? That'd be, but that kind of thing. It's almost like he has a, but anyway, a positive infection. That was the thought that came to mind because it starts to spread as he thinks about grace. It starts to spread and infect all his thinking, and it leads him to remember something surprising, and it's this he thinks this way, we should sometimes feel scared around God too. Sounds odd, that, doesn't it? Yeah, verses 118 to 20, it's almost as if with grace clear in his mind, he looks at things again, and they're, they're kind of the same. It's just they've become bigger. This might help. Here's a little kind of diagram for the psalm. Verses 113 to 15, he, he runs down some themes. There's, there's God's Word, there's security, there's separation. Then he remembers grace. It's almost like a central point in the psalm. And then verses 118 to 20, he runs back up those themes again, and and they're just bigger. Did you notice verse 115? He wanted to be separated from evildoers. At verse 118, the separation is still there. It's just bigger. You notice what he says? You reject all who stray from your decrees. Not just the specific people he's thinking about. One day, it'll be everyone who rejects God. That'll be an awful separation. Verse 114, do you you remember he told us God's Word gives security? In verse 119, those kind of ideas are there, but they're just bigger. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. And understand, these aren't the words of a man who's, who's laughing at the lost. This is someone realizing, I could be one of them. God would be within his rights to discard me. And that's why he says, therefore, I love your statutes. And that word statutes, it speaks of a witness to God's covenant promise. I love them because they show the rescue you offer me. 
They show a God who offers to love and save his people who don't really deserve it. In verse 113, he spoke of those who won't stick with God's Word. Now in verse 120, I think he's remembering, that could be me. My, my flesh trembles in fear of you. It's sort of, the word for it there, it's sort of like my skin creeps. You had that experience, something bad happens to somebody else and you, you kind of shudder. Last Sunday evening, I think I told a story, you, you might have been here, of, in my 20s at a friend's house. We were in the kitchen and one of my one of my friends picked up a melon and said, I'll throw this up in the air. You grab a kitchen knife and see if you can cut it in half in midair. I was in my 20s. I thought, that seems like a great idea. Let's do that. You chuck it up. And so he threw up the melon. I grabbed this sharp knife and I swung it to bring it down. And as I did, he grabbed the melon again. You've done it, haven't you? You felt it. And I brought the knife down. At the last minute, I saw it just as I touched his fingers. I pulled it away. And the feeling I had inside what's happened, and I saw a little bit of blood, but the relief when I noticed, it had only just nicked him. And the feeling of what if. And you felt that already. Do you do that? There's times, isn't it, where you hear things, you, you hear of something that happens to somebody else, and it's almost like there's a shudder or your skin creeps. For some reason, I get it on the back of my legs, and I just go all funny there when I think about it. Part of it is Part of it is just the feeling of how awful for that person. But I think the other part of it is, oh, I can imagine myself ending up in something like that. Maybe not a knife and a melon, but, but that kind of feeling. Gosh, what, what if that happened to me? That's what's going on here. Our psalmist is saying, I know how close I've come. I could reject God's word, miss his rescue, face this awful separation. I've been a hair's breadth away, but he snatched me back. And when I think about it, my flesh trembles. It's not the kind of scare that scares you away from God. It's the scare that's meant to do the opposite, say, stick close with him. Come to this God where you'll find help for heavy hearts. It's good to feel that sometimes. I don't know if you've You've followed in recent weeks all this stuff around Philip Schofield. It's, it's kind of been everywhere, hasn't it, if you're aware of it? And the, the daytime show this morning, all, all the stuff around p- potential abusive power, possible grooming, things like that. It's been pretty miserable. As I've seen little bits and read bits in the paper, I've noticed two different responses from a couple of the presenters. You might know them. There's, there's Holly Willoughby and there's, there's Alison Hammond. I think there's pictures of them. You, you recognize him. Holly Willoughby, I don't know if you noticed it. I thought it, was, I thought it was fascinating. Holly Willoughby, when she spoke about it, said, first of all, how are you? She said, we've all been lied to by someone we trusted. He's lost his career. He's gone now, but we need time to heal and return this morning to the warm place that we love. I kind of listening to that, it felt like she was saying something bad's happened. We can't ignore it. We're all victims. Philip, sadly, is the baddie, but he's gone now. He's separated, and we can restore the good life. Alison Hammond, another presenter, I thought really fascinating. She said when she spoke about it, I feel conflicted. He did something wrong, but my mum used to say, use the Bible as your sat-nav, and in the Bible, Jesus says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Interesting for someone to say that on TV in the UK. Interesting, she said, the Bible, use the Bible as your sat-nav. 
And it felt like she's saying, something bad's happened. We can't ignore it. But I do wrong things too. So how do I navigate this mess? And Psalm 119 would say, there is a God who is just and gracious. He won't ignore wrong things. Left unchecked, they will lead not just to separation from a career, but from God himself, from life and joy for all of us. But he's made a saving promise. In our society, when someone messes up, the solution is often make them the ultimate baddie. Throw them under the bus. Separate them. But after we've done that, what do you do with the things that we've done wrong? Are you with Team Holly? We're just victims. Root out the baddies. Us goodies can be okay. Or are you more Team Allison? It's more complicated than that. We need to say wrong is wrong. But if all I do is throw others under the bus, someday it will be me. I need something else. And the Christian good news is that God has graciously come in Jesus. And at the cross, Jesus took the shame for our sin. When he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was enduring the separation that our sin deserves, so we don't have to. He is the grace and the security Psalm 119 is pointing towards. And he's offered. He's offered to everyone. He's offered to Holly Willoughby. He's offered to Philip Schofield. He's offered, offered to you and me, anyone who will trust him. And so you understand when you've got that kind of offer, can you imagine how you should feel if you get around the double-minded? who distort and diminish God's words, who obscure this offer of rescue, it would be awful and I should hate it. So sing, I hate double-mindedness until you feel it, but never in an arrogant way, only in a way that prays, God, would you graciously keep me trusting the rescue that you offer in Jesus. Now we're going to pause there.